<clears throat> All right, this is, uh, this is Luke. So if you want to turn here, you can, but we'll be in Psalm 1. So if you want to stay in Psalm 1, that's great. Uh, but this is Luke 10, 38, uh, and this is just a little, uh, a little story I'm going to start with. Uh, from the life of Jesus, we read this. And if you were in, if you're reading along in the CBR Bible Reading Journal, you read this. Um, I think yesterday. Uh, but it says, while they were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked, "Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand." Verse 41 of chapter 10. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. He says one thing is necessary. Martha's doing a lot, right? Martha is literally serving the Lord, right? Like Jesus is in her house. She is hosting him. She is serving him food, right? She is in the most literal sense, serving the Lord. Um, and and she, she asks for help from her sister, and, and Jesus says, man, you're anxious and you're worried, but there's only one thing that's really necessary, and, and your sister has chosen that, and that's, I'm not going to take that away from her. Uh, life, you know, in life we get busy, right? We, we're busy people, um, especially nowadays. Um, and, and we often do the best things, Right? Uh, we're, we're doing great things, school, work, friends, ministry, serving people, uh, all kinds of things. But I wonder when we're, uh, when we're worried and upset about many things, when we're running around frantically, if Jesus isn't looking at, at us and saying, friend, just friend, one thing's necessary. Just one thing, you, you've not made the right choice. As, as all of the good things you're doing, you've not made the right choice. And what is that one thing? It's to sit at Jesus' feet and to listen to what he says. Right? To be with him. That's what Mary chose, to spend time with Jesus. Um, we often think of the, the spiritual discipline of Bible reading and of meditation. Right? That's what we're talking about today. So we're in a series on spiritual disciplines. Um, and, and we think of, of, of you know, Bible, like reading the Bible, meditating on it, uh, often as an event in the day. And we call it like a quiet time. I had my quiet time today. So, you know, I get up, I get up and I get up and read my Bible at seven from seven thirty to eight, right? Or we have plans like this. Um, or I read on my drive to school or I read between classes or whatever it is for you. Um, and, and I I envision this quiet time, maybe maybe you envision it this way in your mind as well. It's like it's like something that gets you ready for the day. You know, you're like, okay, if I can spend time with God in the morning, then I'll be like ready for my day uh, and prepares me to walk to go along in the day with God. And, and these times are, are very important, and, and I, I actually hope that that's one of the things that you take away from this message, is to spend time with God every day. Um, but but uh, I have to be honest in saying that oftentimes my quiet times, my time in the... Why, is it, why do we call them quiet times? I don't know. I mean, I guess we have our hearts quiet before God. Maybe that's, the best, uh, maybe that's a good way to describe it. Anyway, uh, the, the, my times in the Word in the morning... Uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's actually the main time that I think about God, right? And then I, I get to the end of the day and I'm like, hey, Lord, <laughs> sorry I haven't even like, talked to you since this morning, right? Uh, it, it, it didn't really, like, I didn't experience it preparing me for the day like I hoped it would. So I want to flip this. Maybe you've had a similar experience. Maybe you've had a similar thing. So I want to flip this on its head a little bit, this idea. What if we think about it differently, right? So much of, 
of our lives are in our minds and our thoughts, right? What we think about. So instead of thinking of a, of a short time with God that prepares us for the rest of the day, let's envision a life lived with God that makes the more focused times that we spend in the Bible sweet and wonderful. Okay? Richard Foster says it this way. Again, he wrote a book called Celebration of Discipline. It's on the spiritual disciplines. I love it. Um, he says, We must come to see, therefore, how central our whole day is in preparing us for the specific times of meditation. See, you hear that? We must come to see how central our whole day is in preparing us for specific times of meditation. If we are constantly being swept off our feet with frantic activity, we will be unable to be attentive at the moment of inward silence. A mind that is harassed and fragmented by external affairs is hardly prepared for meditation. Uh, and he wrote this before smartphones, right? Before um, the, the internet was in our pockets, before AirPods were in, like lived in our ears, uh, and, which has basically taken away even a lot of the possibility for any kind of inward silence or a, any, any opportunity for inward silence. Um, and this gets us to the point of the disciplines. And we said this last week, the point of the disciplines is to meet with God, right? To be with Him. Okay? The goal is to live life with God, right? It's to live life with God. It's not a list of rules to check off. Um, it's, it's, not like a, it's not a checklist. Like, believe me, if I could, if I could ha- give you a checklist of spiritual disciplines, and it's like, hey, if you just do these, if you just check these off every day, then you will grow spiritually. Um, you will have joy. You will grow in Christ. Like, you will bear fruit in, for the gospel. If I, if I had that checklist... I would give it to you, right? And I would use it, you know? Like, if that was all it was, it was like, this is a checklist, you just have to complete these things, just get them done, man. Uh, then I would give it to you. But there isn't a list, right? There, is, there, there, there isn't. There, there's, this is a relationship with your Creator, the great lover of your soul, the one who sacrificed Himself to prove His love for you, and now He wants to live through you in, in all of your life. Um, I recently listened to the the, uh, the Screw Tape Letters, which is one of C.S. Lewis's um, yeah, probably most most known books that you might have heard of. Uh, but if you don't know the the premise, you probably do. But it's it's a older demon, an older devil writing to like a younger tempter who has a human patient who he's trying to tempt and lead you know down the road to hell. And uh, and so the the older devil's like giving the younger one advice and. One of the things that, that Uncle Screwtape says to, to young Wormwood is, uh, is that uh, he's, he's, like, You're wor- he's like, it doesn't really matter what they do. Like if they do religious things or if they, don't, if they go to church or pray or if they do, like whatever they do, like the actual activities they do doesn't matter that much. Isn't that important? The main point is to use whatever they do to draw them away from God. Right? He says the enemy. Draw them away from the enemy uh, who is God. Um, and I think that's a, that's a brilliant point, right? It's like Martha. Uh, her serving, which is a really good thing. It's good to serve. We're commanded to serve. Like It's, it's loving to serve. Uh, it was moving her away from Jesus. It, it, was, it was not moving her closer to Jesus. It was actually keeping her from Him. So our checklists, our quiet times, our, our times in, in the Word and meditation, our prayer times, can actually be a way to avoid Jesus. You're like... No, Lawson. Yeah, it can be. It can be a way to avoid Jesus. Um, we can make a deal with God almost without even realizing it. It's like we make a deal in our hearts. Again, this is, we wouldn't say this, but we think it sort of. It's like, okay, God, I'll give you this 30 minutes, right? Because I know I'm supposed to. Uh, 
but but then you know, I'll give it to you so that I can get back to the rest of my life and kind of do what I want to the rest of the time without having to feel guilty. <laughs> you know? Like this is yours, this 30 minutes, and then the rest is mine. Okay? Um, and then we're kind of self-satisfied with that. Like we, ass- we assuage the guilt we feel by, by thinking, I've read my Bible, I'm good. Right? I-, I did my quiet time today, perfect. God's happy with me. You see how silly that is? First of all, God's already happy with you because of Jesus, right? You can't earn it. You, can be, you can't be good enough, right? Jesus was good for you. Like, he loves you because he loves you. Um, and, and nothing can change that. Uh, but but it's so, this is such a silly deal because, like, like, just think, Jesus gave his life for us, and we're giving him, like, 30 minutes maybe a day, right? Like, he literally sacrificed his own blood for us. And we're like, yeah, yeah, you can have, like, a couple minutes if I, get, if, if I wake up early enough, you know? Um, if, my, if I don't sleep through my alarm, which is iffy, you know? Um, no, that's not, that's silly, right? That's not biblical, right? Paul says, Galatians 2, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I give 30 minutes to God, and then I live the rest like I want. no. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the discipline should move us closer to him in relationships and in love, right? So it's not a checklist. It's, it's, it's getting to know him better. It's spending time with him. Um, Daniel made the same point about uh, the other day about worshiping together. The other night at a leader meeting, we were talking about uh, prayer. We were praying for you guys. And one of the things he said, he said, my, my, always my prayer for the students is that they would uh, their worship would be an overflow of what their of their relationship with God during the week, right? Not like the only time they're worshiping, and that's great. Do you see what he's Do you see what he's getting at? It's the same thing. Like we can see singing to God on Wednesday night or on Sunday, uh, the same way as Bible reading. Like, oh, this is a time that fills us up for the rest of the week, right? This is my worship time for the week, and then I'm going to go live my my normal life, right? But but I think we gotta we gotta flip that, right? Um, like that's not if, if you just think about it is that, is that your experience when, when you see it that way that's not my experience like when when you know when that, that's the only when Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights the only time that I'm thinking about worshiping God in the week my worship is pretty dry and my heart is pretty cold I usually don't, don't go and come out of those going like wow that was a wonderful experience for the Lord right and it can be the, so. It can be the same thing as as we always think of our quiet time. We give Sunday morning or Wednesday night to God so that we can pretty much not think about Him the rest of the week. But on on, on the opposite side, on weeks when my heart is warm toward God, when I've spent time with Him, uh, you know, I've been with Him during the week, then those times of worship are sweeter, right? I mean the words like they they fill my heart with with love for God, and, and God meets me there. Maybe you've experienced that too. So. Do you want that? <laughs> like, do you want to seek God like that? Do you want a re- real relationship with Him? I hope you do. I hope you do. Um, l- let these disciplines move you closer to God in all of your life. Um, move towards godliness. Move towards the freedom that is in Christ. Um, let's look at Psalm 1, uh, and, and we'll see how, how uh, the psalmist lays this out. Psalm 1. Uh, we'll start in, uh, and we're going to read the whole psalm. We'll start in verse 1. Turn the air on. Is it hot in here, Neil? Sorry, everyone. There we go. 
They don't teach you at seminary how to set the thermostat while you're preaching. So I'm winging this one. Uh, <laughs> okay, Psalm 1, verse 1. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. He meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. There's two types of people outlined here. The wicked and the righteous. Wicked and the righteous. Let's look at the righteous first, because that's where the psalm starts. Um, and, and the psalm starts by calling him not the righteous, but the, the happy man. Right? How happy is the one? Okay? Um, the happy man doesn't walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or, or sit in the company of mockers. Okay? That's saying uh, that this person, it could, and it's, it's a him in the psalm, right? but we can say it's also, it's, this is also true for, for women, for girls. Uh, uh, so this person um, is their whole way of life, like walking, standing, sitting, like all the, the ways that you can be, uh, are opposed to evil and those who do it, right? They don't, they don't follow that way. Instead, they, what? His delight is in the Lord's instruction, and on His law He meditates day and night. Okay, this is what we're talking about, our dis- the discipline we're talking about, right? Meditating. On God's law, meditating on the Bible, thinking deeply about the Bible. Okay, uh, the Lord's instruction—that's how He's commanded us, right? The Bible um, and how He's revealed Himself to us. And, and the happy man doesn't just—you notice—it doesn't just say meditate on it; it says delights in it, right? So this this man has spent enough time uh, chewing and learning God's word that it, it's a delight to him. It's sweeter than right Psalm one nineteen, sweeter than honey. Or the drippings of the honeycomb, like that's it tastes good to him, um, and and he he med he, he meditates it. So not just not just memorizes it, not just knows it, not just knows about it, uh, but but uh, delights in it, enjoys it, loves it, spends time on it. Um, and, and it's no surprise that that this is what happens, right? Meditation is not just clearing your mind. Some people think of Eastern meditation, like um, you know the Buddhist kind of like you know. Meditation, and that's not what what meditation is talking. That's not what this kind of meditation is. Um, meditation, in, in biblical terms, is filling your mind with the truth. Right uh, in, in the Eastern world, the the goal is to is detachment, like to not feel at all, to not think, to be in a state of nirvana. Right, um, but but uh, meditation in, in the Bible is actually engagement, like engaging with the truth, engaging with God. Um, and so it's filling your mind, thinking deeply on something, um, and you know which you which you do all the time, right? It, it's it's um, it's engaging your imagination about something, like like putting yourself in the scenario. Like if you read a story in the in the New Testament of Jesus and the disciples, like you imagine yourself there. You, you're you're uh, thinking so deeply in the text that that's where you live, right? This is what meditation. Um, is and you do this, uh, you know, you for whatever you like. If you're like a Texans fan, or if you're a, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, I don't know what you do. If you're a fisherman, or if you're a baseball player, or uh, if you're a dancer, like whatever you you like to do, basketball player, you you meditate on these things, right? 
you, you think deeply about you. You're you're mulling over like what happens in a game and how you can be, better do this or do that or whose team this person's on or, and why that would be what a good trade would be and you know all these things. You meditate um, on, on these things uh, on, on what you delight in, what you love, and and that, that shows. Um, so that, I think that shows importantly where our hearts are. Um, and it says that this man does this. He meditates on it. His delights in the Lord's instruction. He meditates on it when? Day and night. Day and night. Okay, does this happy man never sleep? No, you have to sleep to be happy, right? Uh, <laughs> no, of course he sleeps, right? Uh, but, you know, the day and night, it just means all the time, right? It means all the time. He, it's, it's a characteristic of the happy person that they're always thinking about God, thinking about his word. Um, this is what they do. Now, look at what else the Bible tells us about the happy man. He's like a tree, verse 3, planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. Okay, so this is a, a tree uh, flowing by, uh, or a tree by flowing river is a strong tree, right? Um, especially in, in this kind of arid, you know, this would have been a Middle Eastern, like desert type climate. Um, and so, you know, um, yeah, this, this would, would be a, a a very strong tree compared to some, you know, many that they would see, and, and much of the uh, land wouldn't have trees. Um, it's a tree that bear, bears fruit in its season, so nothing throws off its fruitfulness. Um, as it should, it bears fruit. Hard year, still bearing fruit. Drought, it's bearing fruit. Storms, bearing fruit. Um, and whose leaf does not wither. So, and we have lots of evergreen trees in Houston, you know, pine trees. Um, and that's what it's saying. This is the happy man. His leaves are evergreen, Right? Uh, he, he's healthy, he's alive, and all that he does, he prospers. And this reminds me of the passage we looked at last week, First uh, Peter two, or Second Peter one, um, where Peter says, "If you're grow, remember he said, if you're growing in these qualities, like make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with discipline, right? All these things." He says, "If you're growing in these things, in these qualities, and increasing." Uh, you know, if these things are increasing in you, then they will keep you from being unfruitful or ineffective in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? They'll keep you from being unfruitful. Um, that's, that's being a tree planted by flowing streams bears its fruit in its season. So, do you want that? Do you want your life to matter? Do you want your life to count for eternity for the things that matter? Do you want health and longevity and fruitfulness in, in the, the most important ways? If so, then you want this. You want to be the righteous, happy person, the person who delights and meditates on God's instruction, on His Word. Okay, now look at the wicked. The wicked, verse 4, are not like this. All right, you could say they're the opposite. So, you know, you could go, you just go like the first one and two all backwards. You know, um, how miserable is the one who walks in the advice of the wicked and stands in the pathway with sinners and sits in the company of mockers. His delight is not in the Lord's instruction and he doesn't meditate on it day or night. Okay, this is the wicked person. What, what does this lead to? The wicked are like, the righteous are like a tree, right? The wicked are like chaff that the wind blows away. and will stand in the judgment. Chaff is the part of the wheat or the corn that's, that's like... Uh, you know, like the husk or the cover, the covering um, of the of the important part. You know, and so when you peel, you know, corn, as you know, the husk falls away, and you just throw it away. Um, you know, wheat 
uh, you know, wheat chaff falls off when you harvest and process the wheat. It, it just falls off and then it kind of just blows away. Um, it's, it's just weightless and shallow. And, uh, and so it, it just think of, like that's a, that's a pretty stark image compared to the, the well-watered tree, right? The chaff that the wind just blows away. This is the righteous. This is the wicked. It made me think of uh, the, uh, there's a book called The Great Divorce, another one of C.S. Lewis's books, where he depicts heaven and hell. Um, and one of the one of the things he says is that um, that the whole of hell wouldn't even fit into one molecule of heaven. Like it's so small compared to the reality of heaven. And I think that that's what it's saying. The the, the righteous grow into this reality, this fruitfulness, this health, and the wicked um, are weightless and sh- and shallow, and in the end, blow away and are almost nothing. Um, and, and they will be blown away. Okay, it says, For the Lord watches over, verse 6, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Um, and this, of course, leads us to the source. Like, why? So there's two, there's two paths here, the righteous, the wicked, the happy, the miserable. Why are, is one, the happy man like a fruitful tree, but the wicked is like chaff? Because, verse 6, The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Okay? The, the, the universe is, is personal. Right, we are taught that the universe is mechanical; that it's just a machine, it's just natural processes that have you know been going on for billions of years. Um, and, and while there are natural processes that have been going on that that someone put in place, the universe is personal. Right, God created this place, um, and and so uh, God Himself is involved. Right, we have a moral universe. Uh, meeting God is the goal of spiritual discipline and having a life uh, that's a living relationship with Him. Meditating, filling your mind and heart with the truth of Scripture, um, this helps us with that, right? Meditation does. Uh, Richard Foster writes uh, writes this, In meditation we are growing into what Thomas Akempis calls a familiar friendship with Jesus. Right? That's what you're building when you get up to read the Bible, when you pray. A familiar friendship with Jesus. So which kind of person do you want to be, right? You want to be the, the righteous man, the happy man, or the wicked man? You want to be the tree, or you want to be the chaff? You have the choice, right? I hope the righteous. Um, but do you delight in God's Word? Is that, does that describe you? Do you delight in God's Word? Do you think about God a lot? Do you meditate on Him? You should. You should start. Right? And now, if you didn't know that you should, re- you should be reading the Bible, then I, there you go. You should be, right? This is one of the, like, and I, I think that's actually, I mean that seriously. Like, maybe no one's ever told you, like, hey, if you're a Christian, you should read the Bible every day. Like, that's how we hear from God. Now you know. That's awesome. Like, that's a really good thing to know. Uh, it is. But probably most of you have been told that before, right? Most of you know that. Um, I'm betting, I'm betting most, most of us did. But we have trouble making it a habit. Right? We have trouble actually doing it. So the rest of the message, I just want to try to debunk one of the um, one misconception about Bible reading and meditation, and then give you some kind of practical tips on how to read the Bible, and then we'll be done. Um, there's there's a helpful uh, there's a helpful line Jesus uses when he's in the in the in the wilderness and he's being tempted by the devil. Um, uh, Satan says, "Turn the stone into bread." Right? He's been fasting for forty days. He's hungry. And Satan says, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 8 back to him and says, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Okay? So here we have an image that I think is helpful to us, and it's God's Word as daily bread. God's Word as daily bread. Um, the, the image, this is the same image as the manna, right? The manna from heaven uh, that came every day, right? And it was only good for a day. You couldn't save it till the night. It was like, that was your sustenance for that day. This is God's Word. Um, this is the image, bread. So this is really helpful because, because what did you have for, for lunch last Tuesday? What did you have for dinner two Fridays ago? Someone's like, I know, I remember, <laughs> and, and I'm impressed. Uh, but probably you don't really remember, right? You don't really know. Um, you might could guess. You're like, well, I usually have sandwiches, so probably a sandwich, but whatever. But, 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 okay, let me ask you this. Did that meal sustain you? Did you get nutrition from it? You're like, I'm not sure what it was. That could have been the time I ate Sour Patch for dinner, so maybe not, <laughs> right? Uh, but, but it did, right? Your meal, it, your meal sustained you. It sustained you. And I think one of the reasons why, that we try to read the Bible consist- and consistently fail is because of a false expectation, right? Uh, Tish Harrison Warren writes this, and she has a book called Litur- Liturgy of the Ordinary, um, and she's talking about uh, how the Word and Sacrament, which is the Lord's Supper, um, sustain us. And, but she says this. This is helpful. She quotes Eugene Peterson. Sorry, I'm quoting people who quote people a lot. I don't know why. My subculture of evangelicalism tends to focus on excitement, passion, and risk, the kind of worship that gives a rush. Eugene Peterson calls this quest for spiritual intensity and a consumer-driven market for religious experience in our world. He says that there is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. That was a long quote, right? But I think we can think, think this about quiet times as well. We can think, like, here's what I mean. Quiet times do not have to be fireworks. We all want the fireworks, right? We want to open our Bibles, and we want the Holy Spirit to literally, we want the verse that he's teaching us to glow, you know? Just, it's just like, it's the only thing you see. It just pops out, and you, you just have this euphoric sense of understanding and of insight and of God's love washes over you and you're weeping and praying. and Like, this is what we want in, in the Bible uh, in, in these, these times. Um, <clears throat> but they don't have to be that. They can be. They're not explosive times of growth of the Lord, right? Um, they're more like, not instead of fireworks, they're more like firewood. More like firewood. Like if, you're, if your heart's a fire, um, it's just like putting one more log on the fire of your heart, right? It's, it's died down, another log, right? Another log. It's like cereal on Tuesday morning, right? It's, just, it's, 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 uh, it's something today, something for today, you know, something to sustain you today. And I think this is how we should think of Bible reading and meditation, like breakfast, right? Um, if God's Word is daily bread, it sustains us daily, um, just like your morning cereal or like, you know, that emergency PB&J on the weekend. There's no food. You're like, what do we have? PB&J. Yes. Uh, you know, so, you know, there's, there, are, are, um, there are sermons and there are prayer and worship times uh, with the Lord that you'll remember forever. Just like there's meals that you'll remember forever. Like my first anniversary, I took Caroline to Three Forks to this expensive steakhouse in Austin. And I remember it. It was awesome. Like it was a, it was a wonderful meal. Uh, and I, I remember that. But, um, but most of, you know, most of your meals and most of your quiet times, your times with the Lord, 
um, are like scrambled eggs, you know, on Tuesday morning. They're important and nutritious, but they're forgettable in the long run, right? They, but they sustain you. Um, and I think this, you can take this metaphor further and say, if, if God's word is bread and you aren't eating it, you aren't spending time with it, then you're living constantly malnourished. And I think this is the state of many of us. Um, you, you, like you can live on, you can actually live on two or three meals a week, you know, like that's possible. You, I mean, you can go, Jesus fast for 40 days, like you can work up and fast for a long time. You can go without food for a long time, but I don't recommend that, <laughs> right? I don't recommend that for any period of time. That's not healthy for you. Um, that, that's malnourishment. Uh, but, but isn't that basically what you're doing if the only time you're reading and thinking about the Bible is at church? Two meals a week. Maybe, and maybe this is why you're not spiritually healthy. If you're like, man, I don't really feel close to God. I don't really know what that even means. Like, you're just malnourished. You're just malnourished. Um, this is, and by the way, this is one of the reasons why camps, like summer camps, can be so refreshing. If you're like, man, I wish all of life could just be like camp. Because it's just like, I feel so close to God and it's awesome. It's just, what it is, it's just required eating. It's like you take a person who's starving and you go, okay, now you're going to eat five meals a day, like five small meals a day. You're going to have to eat those every day. They're like, I feel so much better this week. Like, well, yeah, <laughs> right? You're just, like, you just, it can't be just spend time with God in the morning. You spend time with God devotionally. You have a Bible study. You do it in worship at night. Like, you're just, it's just force feeding, right? That's why it's great. Um, and in one way, this might be disappointing to think of the Bible as daily bread because you're like, no, I want that experience. Um, I want the feast. I want the fireworks. I want the amazing times of the Lord. And, and of course you do. And you will have them. Uh, but remember, people who are malnourished, people who are starving, they cannot enjoy a feast. Right? You can't take someone who's starving and take them to a feast and give them a Thanksgiving meal. They would get sick like, immediately. Like, they would not be able to do it. Uh, right? Like If you're coming off of a fast, you don't eat. You kind of drink juice to start and you kind of have to warm your stomach. Like, you have to be eating in order to actually enjoy a feast. And so um, if, you, if you always aim at a feast, you're going to be disappointed. You'll be discouraged, of course, because it's like, well, that wasn't, that wasn't awesome. I didn't feel anything, right? That doesn't mean nothing happened, <laughs> right? Like obedience to God, being with Him, that's always going to pay off, even if you don't feel anything. It's not, it's not about what we feel or what we don't. But you'll just you'll if you think but if you think it should be a feast you'll always get discouraged and quit and I think that's where a lot of us are. We're like I read it I didn't really know what it meant I prayed something I prayed for like five minutes like I don't think it was any good. It, it, he heard that prayer <laughs> and is all of Jesus all of God's answers to us are yes in Christ. Like he heard you and that prayer will matter even that short one the the this little one she didn't even like um, he's he's working he works even in the small things. Um, and so if, if, you, if you aim at a feast, I think you'll be discouraged and you'll quit. But if you aim at regular sustaining meals in God's Word um, as a small part of a life lived with Him, then I think you'll be sustained. I think those times will get sweeter and sweeter. And you'll also be able to feast when it comes to that. Like, like when God does pour out special graces, uh, you'll be ready for that. Um, this is why I've loved the, the CBR journals, the community Bible reading plan that the church is doing. I know many of you have those. Um, I, I think they're great because they do a good job of leading you through meditating on Scripture. Um, one thing that might be helpful to know is study and meditation are different. That they they kind of they obviously overlap some, but um, to study God's word is to is you know to 
to learn what it means, like, you know, to look at the context, look at the words, look at the, uh, you know, the surrounding passages, look at the purpose of the book and the author and the audience. Like, you're trying to just get the basic meaning of the text. Um, meditation is, is actually uh, where, where you are internalizing and personalizing. Like you're saying, what, God, what is your word for me today from this, from this Bible? Uh, Richard Foster again says, Whereas the study of Scripture fo- focuses on uh, exegesis, the meditation of Scripture centers on internalizing and personalizing the passage. The written word becomes a living word addressed to you. Okay, so the CBR, that's what it's doing, is it's leading you through meditation um, on, on God's Word. So, um, it's true that you have to have some kind of basic understanding. So if you, re- like, for instance, say you're reading the two chapters in the CBR, and the Old Testament one, uh, you're like, I have no idea what this means. <laughs> like, the David did something crazy in the story, and I really don't know what to get out of this. Um, but, but the one in Luke is like the Lord's Prayer, you know. Um, the, the chapter in Luke. I would encourage you to, to note, that, remember, like, okay, I need, to look, I need to look at this chapter in Samuel again. <laughs> like, I need to come back and study and do some, do some reading around this and to, to be able to understand what God's saying in this one. But for that morning, I would encourage you to focus for the, for the CBR journal, for the adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. I'd encourage you to go to one that you're familiar with, right? like the Lord's Prayer, like one, the, one of the ones in the New Testament. Um, uh, because hopefully, you know, with those, you, you can, as you ask God and read slowly and, and prayerfully, one part of that that you do understand will jump out, uh, and you can meditate on that and, and ask what God is saying to you that day. And then later, up, later I, again, I would study, follow up. Um, now, sometimes God can speak to you. I mean, <laughs> God can actually do whatever He wants to. He doesn't even need my permission to do anything. Uh, but... He, he can sometimes speak to you. I mean, God's Word is living and active. So even if you don't understand a passage, sometimes God speaks to you from it, and that's wonderful. Uh, but I'm just trying to give you a general <laughs> advice on what, what I've experienced. Um, okay, real practical things, and then we'll be done. Uh, I would just, if you want to read, it's just really helpful to plan a time and a space, like a spot. Pick a, pick a chair, pick a uh, spot at your kitchen table, um, and, and plan a time, like schedule a time. Like I'm at 7 a.m., I'm going to be in this chair. Like I'm going to be reading. Um, it's worth giving up sleep for. Right? Spending, if you have to choose between spending time with God and sleeping, spending time with God is more valuable. You can argue with me. I, try to make an argument. I've tried to make an argument. Believe me. I'm like, no, 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 I need... No, I, I think, right, we should get sleep. And I think you should, like, sleep actually is a bit more important than Instagram. So that's one thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe just take it off the other end. Uh, so, um, plan, so, so plan a time and place. Plan what to read. Plan what you're going to read. So don't get up and be like, all right, I'm here. And be like, all right, what am I going to read? Mm, I can read this. I can go on this. Like, no, 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 no. Don't, and don't do the, like, flip open random pick. Right? <laughs> don't, just don't do that. Just have a plan. And that's why the Seabury Journal is great. Two chapters. You know what you're reading. Uh, you just go to the day. Read it. Perfect. Um, but there's no, uh, there's not, again, there's not a prescribed way. The Bible doesn't say to do the CBR journal um, or to read a chapter or anything. You know. So you can switch it up. Read large chunks sometimes. You can read the same thing every day. I'm going to read Colossians 1 every day this week, right? Something like that. That's great to do. Um, so, pl- but plan. Have a plan. Uh, prioritize meditation over just reading. So like I said, uh, like it would be better to meditate on one verse for a whole year than to read the whole Bible in a year. 
trying to think if that's, if that's true. I think it is, though, right? Because uh, maybe you read the whole Bible and you go, what did you get out of that? Well, I don't really remember. I just kind of read it all pretty fast. Like, okay, great. But you meditate on one verse and it becomes a part of you and you start obeying that verse. That's more important. That's more valuable, right? Um, so that's an extreme example. But, but uh, you know, don't give up the, the focus time um, to, to try to get through more content. Uh, and then uh, the other thing that I found really helpful is to prepare beforehand. So, like, if I, get, if I, like, set my coffee up to brew and then I, you know, I have my Bible and my notebook out and I have my pen on top of it right in the place where I'm going to need them, right, uh, then it's, it's, that's really helpful. Like, make it, like, build a morning routine. Um, and you don't have to do it in the morning, but it's like all the godly people in history do in the morning. So, think, you know. Go with that. Uh, but, I mean, it's like the safe bet. Uh, but, um, like, you want to make it mindless to get to the spot, right? You want to, like, not have to think about, like, get up, like, oh, I don't know where my Bible is. <laughs> and then you're out. Like, just make it mindless where you're up, you're there, and you're like, okay, it's already, I'm here. Um, that's helpful. Uh, so, so those are practicals on, like, the time with God. Um, on making it a lifestyle, again, we're talking not about just the set time, but a lifestyle of worship, of a lifestyle of meditating on God's Word. Be memorizing something. I talk about memorization a lot. And challenge someone. Like, just your friend. Just say, hey, let's memorize Psalm 1 together. Let's do it by next, by next, next week. Right? Six verses. Verse a day. You know? Like, just challenge them and just do it, right? Just be memorizing. Like, that's so helpful in your mind. Um, fit in Bible intake at random times. Jordan is not very good at reading the Bible, but he rocks at listening to the Bible. I'm just kidding about not reading the Bible. I don't know that you are. But, but he, he listens to the Bible. Like, he's, he's listened to the Bible so many times, like, at work, because he just, like, it just is on. And that's so cool. Like, and that's one of the great, uh, like, what an awesome thing to have, the Bible in our pockets and in our ears. Um, get get creative, right? Uh, you know, put Bible verses on your mirror. Uh, you know, like uh, you know, print out, put reminders on your phone that have verses in them that pop up. Like uh, you can go to the U version app and it'll remind you or send you daily verses. Like there's all kinds of things you can do, uh, but just to make get, get, like remind yourself. Uh, get accountability part. Like like talk to one another. Like we do this together. Um, and and I would just encourage you to start start now. Like start today. Maybe you're like, I have not spent any time with God in the past like month. Like, go home tonight and spend 30 minutes in, in, with the Lord before you go to bed. It's a, it's a, you know, people wait for like the new year. It's like, oh, great. Like, no, it, like, it's a new moment. Right now is the new moment from, from the last moment. You can be different. <laughs> you can choose differently. You can, you can draw closer to God in this moment. Maybe you haven't ever. You can give yourself to him for the first time, right? You can. Maybe you've been running from him. You can turn your your heart over to him. Current, like now, he's here, um, and you can do that. Um, so, lastly, lastly, as we end, uh, is just remember Jesus, right? The, the in Psalm one, the righteous, happy man, uh, the man uh, who uh, who's in who's the psalm is about. I think is about it's about Jesus, right? Um, this is the the. This is Jesus' prayer book, and ultimately it's about him. He was the only one to, to ever fully not, not stand, sit, or walk in the way of sinners. The only one who fully delighted in God's word. 
the only one who's like a tree planted by uh, streams of water who bears fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Um, the one who prospered in bringing salvation for us and everything he does, he prospers and he will see the, the reward of his suffering, right? Uh, the nations coming in. And so um, let's, not, let's not be like the Pharisees who search, right? He's, what did you say? You search the scriptures because you think there's life in them, but you refuse to come to me. Like, I'm standing here. I'm the point, right? We love the book, and the book leads us to the Savior, right? So remember Jesus. Um, The point is Him. The point is He wants to spend time with you. Does that not blow your mind? Like, the creator of the universe wants to spend time with you. I'm like, no, that can't be true. But it is, right? He says it. Uh, He wants to spend time with you. And know that when, when, when you, we fail to read, when we fail to delight in God's Word, when we fail to meditate, and, and we do and we will, there's one who has done all righteousness for us. Um, the tree of life that we're grafted onto, right? We, we get to ride his coattails. Um, the bread that comes down from heaven to satisfy the hunger of our souls forever. Jesus, he's alive, right? And he's with us and he's for us and he'll never leave us. And so let's ask for his help right now and then we'll sing.